Frank and Elijah are having an open house. Uh, time to say, and everyone's invited to just stop by between 12 and 7 o'clock on Saturday. So, Frank, you can remind me. We'll send out a tweet later in the week with the address, all of that, okay? Don't forget to send out a tweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, you remind me later. There you go. <laughs> Tell you what, don't you love obedient people? I mean, you have to do something they do right away, right? Uh, if you would, please, uh, I, I'm trying to get my bearings a little bit uh, straight here. I've been getting up 4 o'clock in the morning the past couple of mornings. I had to catch an early morning flight yesterday uh, to go to Tampa for the graduation. The graduation went until 8 o'clock last night. So it was like, oh boy. You know, and there's 600 and some people in the class. So it wasn't like a half-hour graduation thing, right? So there was one awesome it was great and i got back to the hotel at like 11 o'clock and i was up at four o'clock again this morning so caught the plane so i am here i think all of me is here okay? <laughs> so i want us to work together here if you will stay awake on me i promise i'll stay awake on you okay we have kristen back with us oh look at that comes back. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you. Okay. I do want to uh, say a prayer here and just get ready. Uh, some things in my heart I'd love to just share with everyone. Father, thank you uh, so much for just, I'm just grateful to be here and getting me back safe and just be with my brothers and sisters to really sing, to worship you. Uh, Please help us focus. I know there are a lot of things happening. Uh, Father, be with John right now. I know he's at the emergency room. And please be with the doctors and Sarah just to uh, uh, find out everything that's going on there so that he can be healed of this as soon as possible. Uh, Father, please help us just be able to reach out and be who we need to be during this time just to uh, encourage. Also, Father, I just pray about what we will talk about now, that, Father, we will be wide open to what you want us to do and how you want us to think. We love you so much. We need you every day. Thank you for the life you've given us. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, several years ago, I heard a speaker make this analogy, and I've always remembered that because was pretty well right on target. Says, you know, there was a time when the church would really identify itself by keeping a certain distance from the world. And it would be like, here's the world, here's the church. So this is, you know, who God wants to be. What happened is over the last 30, 40 years, the world has gone toward this way, apart from things that God wants. And the church has kept its distance, but what happened is it kept the same distance. So, whereas it used to be like right here, as the world went this way, instead of staying here, it just, man, we're, at least we're not like the world, we're not like the world. And individual Christians have done that as well. So that what we allow today in our individual lives, as well as sometimes what we allow in the church, 20, 30 years ago, we would not have done that. 20, 30 years ago, it would have been an issue of holiness. It would have been an issue of pleasing God and serving God. 
But what happens is we keep our eye on this thing. At least we're not doing this. Just fill in the blank. But we were never called to live a life of at least I'm not doing this. We were called to follow Jesus. We were called to seek him out. To want to please God and be his. And today I want us to look at another one of his teachings in Matthew 5. We've kind of been working our way, not obviously, but also not subtly, through the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about kingdom living. And let me put it another way. What we're talking about is what does it mean to be a Christian? That's really what we're talking about. Kingdom living. Someone that belongs to Christ, there's a different approach to life. It's not the same approach. It's different entirely. And before Mother's Day, the last thing we talked about was about anger and about um, um, contempt and what that does and how God's people can have nothing to do with that. And that's why Jesus was so emphatic about it. But then he goes on, he says in verse 27 of Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that if that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It's a strange teaching here. But as with everything else, Jesus not only addressed the behavior, he always dealt with the heart. He always got to the source. And we saw that before. You can talk about, you know, we shouldn't murder and do things like that. But Jesus wasn't content with that. No, you should not hate. It's got to be in the heart. Don't just say, hey, look, the world's doing this, but I'm not murdering you. Your heart has to not have the bitterness and the hatred in it. And that's what he always addressed. Do you know why? He brings us life. I've never seen a content, happy, bitter person. That stuff doesn't belong in the same sentence, does it? He's trying to bring us life. But until we allow him to deal with our hearts, the most we can do is right behavior that will only last for a little while. So what do we do with this purity thing? People go, well, wow, this is just talking to men. It says if a man lusts after a woman, so it's not talking No, we're going to get to the women too. Don't worry. But they're on the hillside as he's teaching people in a patriarchal society. Wrongly patriarchal, I might add. He dealt with the first issue, okay, men, because you've been taught, do not commit adultery. But what does that do? It caused men to look at women and fantasize, and sometimes things really got out of hand. You know why? Because their heart was already given. It caused them to disrespect women. It caused them to denigrate women as people creating the image of God. So Jesus said, I'll tell you what, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery in the eyes of God. Now let me explain what this passage does not mean. <coughs> Men or women, you see someone. There's an attraction 
and some thoughts go through your mind. Sexual thoughts. That's temptation. What is he talking about? He's talking about the intention to look and to fantasize. That's what he's talking about. We're created as sexual beings. That's why as Christians we watch the, you know, be careful about what we see on the movies. We be careful about getting in positions that are wrong, like with someone else and, you know, a situation. You know, we're careful about that. Why? Because God created us as sexual beings. Satan, you've heard me say this over and over again, Satan cannot create anything. He can only twist what God's created. So you have two people that are together and they're not married, but it's an emotional situation. What's going to happen? Well, you're created to connect, but Satan's in there twisting it and trying to connect in a way that's not what God intended. God is no proof. God invented sex. But Jesus is trying to teach us how to be pure, how to have a wholesome view of it, rather than the stuff we see these days. The pornographic industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. People get entertained by this, watching most of the people, I can't say I know for everything, but most of the people in there are victims child sexual molestation and abuse, especially the women. And so they grow up, and so now they're in these films and all that, and boy, they look like they're willing and stuff. That was a little girl that got molested and raped and all sorts of things. But now, what, what options she have? Now, I'm not going to, there are some responsibilities she has to get out of it, but I'm just saying people that are just enjoying that, you're participating in it. God knows that. Jesus said, you look after a woman lustful. Women, you look after a guy lustful. You give your heart over to it. In the eyes of God, you've already You've already crossed the line. Now, this thing, oh my gosh, something offends you, cut it off. Your eye, pluck it out. There are other teachings in the Bible talk about your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus here is using a hyperbole, a hyperbole to make a point. He's trying to let us know this is serious. This has to stop now. You do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes to be pure, to get yourself out of a situation that's going to cause you to view someone of the uh, someone else in a sexual way that you are not married to. Whatever that takes. If you have to just, you know. Work in a different part. If you have to go somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Radical is the call of the moment. It do just doesn't go away. So that's what Jesus is saying. Now, he's saying that to us today in the United States of America where immorality is just, you know, we're, we're almost offering graduate degrees in it. It's unbelievable. You know, I thought, this is something I, I, I want us to address here. We're talking about kingdom thinking. And so what does God do? He flies me down to Tampa, Florida to see my niece graduate. We're going out to eat. It's Florida. I'm a Floridian. And I kind of forgot that when it gets hot in Florida, everything comes off. And I'm kind of walking around. I said, well... This is going to be a good thing for me to know because this is wild, man. People just don't have anything hardly on. 
And so I'm a Christian, so I did whatever it took. Move myself to situations, you know, engage, talk with my brother, just doing whatever. But I'm thinking, my goodness, it's just there's no, no respect. People have no respect for themselves. They're just kind of trying to peddle something, knowing that they give in, and pretty soon the world will get around, this person's easy, and I mean, you know, it's all downhill. Jesus came to teach us. How do we think about this in this day? Let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Oftentimes I will hear Christians say, and those of you that uh, were um, at last Tuesday's uh, midweek, I'm sorry, I couldn't think of the word there. Uh, and those of you that will be, you'll see a, a, a video. And in here, this, this man quotes a statistic from ChristianMingle.com. Now keep in mind, ChristianMingle.com is a dating website that's appealing, say, for just, you know, for Christians. You want to meet other Christians, date, and get married, go to this website. They did a survey, and at ChristianMingle.com, it was asked, would you engage in sexual, sexual activity outside of marriage? 63% answered yes. 63%. These are purportedly Christians. What happened? Well, at least it's not 100% like the world, right? See? See how this... No. 63%. Well, what if you love each other? Well, then marry the person. Well, I don't want to be that committed. Well, then you really don't understand God's purpose, do you? What's going on here? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. There are two questions this passage forces us to answer. Question number one, who's going to be God? I want you to ask yourself that question. Who's going to be God? Is it God or is it me? God or me? That's the first sin, isn't it? Adam and Eve. Yeah, yeah. We'll decide what's right and wrong, and we'll be like God. So they went after it. And ever since then, that's been the basis for every other sin. How we think about sexuality, how we think about race, how we think about poverty, how we think about the basis right there 
comes down to who's God. Who decides what is right and what is wrong? And right here, Paul is saying, look, it is God's will for you to be set apart. It is God's will for you to not just keep a distance from the world, but to stay focused on Christ. It is God's will for you for people to laugh at you when you say, I don't believe and engaging in sexual relations before marriage, the, the, before the relationship God created. I don't believe that, well, if you love each other, that's okay. What does that mean? Because people love each other for a while, then they go and love somebody else, then they go and love somebody else. They're so delusional. That's what it is. And the interesting thing is, somebody always gets hurt. But I'm God. I decide what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. And we've got to make it. Notice what he says. What are the pagans like? See, they're people without God. They're people. They just, if it feels good, do it. That's how they live their life. I have these desires, therefore, I'm going to do this. Period. And all of a sudden, it becomes, I am God. And, and, Paul is saying, look, God says, hey, no, there is no excuse for that. God created a beautiful relationship. God created people to be sexual beings, but not to let sex rule their lives in the wrong way. Only when he is God can we fully understand. This happens sometimes even in marriage, guys. Even in marriage. Sometimes couples will deny each other sexual politics. So what they've done is they've allowed each other to come into a God-blessed situation that God says you become one flesh and God expects that. They've committed, they've done all that, but now if someone wants to play sexual politics with it. No, I, I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to do this. And so that person, the other person is struggling the whole time they were led into a situation where, what's the problem? God is not God. That's the real problem. Real problem. So the thing we've got to ask ourselves, some of us in here, well, you know what? My kids are gone, and I'm, you know, I've been married. And I, hey, Kevin, I've been married for four years. Do you know why I've removed myself from situations? Because I know I can I know I can mess up. And that's not because I'm someone who's hanging on the edge or I'm about to mess up. I just come from the back, you know, a background where I was God. And I figured the way what I thought was right was right. And God needed to bless that. See, I, I, and, and so I'm not going to put myself in a situation. I love God. I love my wife. So why am I going to put myself in a situation that would jeopardize that? Why would I do that? The only reason I'd do that is if I thought I was God. And I started calling the shots. I want us to think about this. We need one another to help each other. I don't want to bring up the past, but I think we've got to be aware of Stuff has happened here. Ongoing, blatant sexual sin that was ongoing until finally got exposed. 
That's grievous. You know, if a person wants to live and not obey God, then maybe you go do that, right? You don't do that in God's face. You don't do that, period, at all. But the biggest concern I have is that maybe some people knew about it but didn't want to say anything. Didn't want to ask questions. But why? You know, I don't want to pry. You know what? No. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Are you a Christian? Do you believe that God is God? Do you believe Jesus called us to live according to these teachings? If so, then you know what? I'm going to ask you some questions. You need to ask me some questions. Because this is what it's all about. We need to help one another. Is God God? We need to decide. The second question is, if we do believe that God is God, do we want to please Him? Now notice what I said. I didn't say obey Him. I said, do you want to please Him? There's a difference. If you want to please Him, you'll automatically obey Him. Because isn't that what Jesus said? If you love me, you will. Right. Right. So, notice how Paul started out. He's talking about pleasing God. We want to please Him. So you know what we need to do in this area when, man, we are tempted all over the place. You turn on TV, I want to go see a good movie. And then they put things in the movie that have nothing to do with the plot. Not a thing to do with the plot. It's almost, it's almost hilarious. It's like, yeah, wow, people just really need to start taking clothes off just to really make the point. But it has nothing to do with the plot. They just, come on, come on, come on. Get me in, get me in. And Christians tolerate that. They tolerate Do you want to please him? What did he say? You've got to learn to control that's what he says here. We learn to control our body in a way that is holy and honorable. If I'm going to please God, then it's all about learning how to control my body in a way that is honorable. No one just kind of happens into that. It's a process of learning. You know what we do here? We have dating advice. Now that's kind of archaic and especially in America, nobody tells me what to do, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'm glad. I wish we'd have the same convictions about being an, a Christian as we do being an American. Oh, man, now wait, wait till we get to that point. Then it'll be great. But I'm an American. I, you know, no one tells me what to do. Great. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, if you are immoral, you're not here. It's not a matter of election. It's an affront to God himself. Question, how do we do dating? How do we do that? You know the Bible says nothing about dating. In fact, we can go to some Old Testament passages and start pairing people off. I could hold a big marriage ceremony here and you'd be stuck with that for the rest of your life. And you know what God would expect you to do? Be faithful and make something great out of it. But I didn't fall in love. Well, it's about time you learned how, right? Because <laughs> look at that one. You are with them for the rest of your life, baby. So either nose the plane up or watch it crash and burn. It wasn't always done that way, but that was a way. See, today we, we can choose. We can do that. And that's great. 
Well, what do we do when we're staying this far from the world and the world's way over here? What do we do? Oh my gosh, I messed up again. Well, where were you? We were in the car. When are you going to learn to control your body? It doesn't just happen. When will you learn how to live a life that is pleasing to God in a pure way, sexually? You've got to learn that. There are some people that feel like, man, I'm, I'm out of control. You know what they do? They go to this purity group. You know why? Because pleasing God is what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Sometimes we get confused. We think the goal of our life is to be happy. That's not the goal of a Christian's life. Do you know that? If you're, if you're wanting to be happy and you're putting your energy into that, you're going to be the most frustrated person in the world. Period. The goal is not to be happy. The goal is to be faithful. Happiness is a result of faithfulness to God. What gets more people in trouble, I want to be happy, I want to be happy. But see, they think they're God. And people get in their way. Now they're not happy. I wish his wife would get right. I wish his husband would. I wish his church would. I wish his person. You know what? Just be faithful. And you know what's going to happen? Happiness is going to up and bite you one day. <laughs> and you're going to wonder, where did that come from? It's because you were faithful. Because you sought to please God. God, what would you have me to do? Dating advice? If you're dating, you need to get advice. How do you have a godly relationship? How do you learn to control yourself in an ungodly world? We all need that. We all need that. So, what do we do with this? Here's what I want us to do. I want us just to answer those two questions. Who's going to be God in your life? Is it going to be God? Good. Good. And then, are you going to please God? Not just try and do some things that are different in the world, but you're going to learn to control yourself in a way that's holy and honorable. You're going to respect God's plan. His sexuality is reserved for marriage. You're going to think, oh my gosh, but what if I'm not getting married? You know what? God's going to be okay. He's going to take care of you. You'll be fine. But you don't just compromise because all of a sudden desires are eating you up. People go, what about in 1 Corinthians 7? It says, you know, uh, it's better to marry than burn. That's talking about people that are pledged to be married. They made this commitment. They're with each other. They're around it. Don't put yourself in that situation. You will start burning. You know why you're created that way. But that is no reason to look. If you are committed for the rest of your life, then okay. You marry. But it's God that's going to use your marriage. And that's one thing we've got to do. God has a plan for every marriage. He has a plan. We've got to allow him to work that out. So, please. And then let's help each other learn how to control ourselves. Let's be open with each other. Let's not let Satan get in there and start lowering the standard, start shaving off what God is expecting. And as we do that, you know what the result will be? We'll end up being happy. Somewhere down the road, we're going to be happy because we were faithful. We're going to close here with a, a song. Nick, why don't you come up? What are we going to sing? Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. That sounds like a good song to sing, okay? And uh, continue to be praying for the needs of Eddie and John. And uh, let me just see. Here's a late-breaking report. Sarah. Okay. Um, they, he's admitted overnight um, for some evaluation, cardiac evaluation. So be praying for that. He's a set out of north, right? So uh, John will be there. So guys, be praying that everything comes out and works out well. Let's all stand. And Nick, why don't you please close the prayer and then we'll.